Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's the most common indicator of prognosis. Nobody even cares about straight-up straight picks up. anymore. It's all about best bets of money. That's where the world is. Eat that crap. Regular season champ. All right. Go ahead, runner-up. <laughs> that was last week before Super Wild Card round. Six more games factored into the mix. I had a major hole to dig out of as it relates to our competition against the spread. However, the other two categories, things remain very tight. Got a little tighter in one of the categories last week, Christopher. We are tied up at best bets, 29, 27, and 1 through 19 weeks straight up. I now have a two game lead over you as we get down to the final weeks of this competition, four games this week, two games next week, the Super Bowl two weeks later, I assume the pro bowl games are not part of the mega picks podcast prognostications, flag football, tug of war, etc. So we've got seven games left for the rest of the year. Right. And where, well, I don't even remember what were your best bets last week? I, I kind of like forgot what yours were. I knew mine were Cleveland and um, I picked the Green Bay Packers to stay close. Right. What was yours? What, what did you, you picked the Texans, right? I had the Bills. I had the Bills. You had the Bills. The Bills. Right. And, and the Rams. Yeah. Who covered. Oh, good job. Even though they lost. Yeah. They yeah. covered. Right. Yeah. That was great. I know. Uh, that was a good, good job by you. I, uh, Gosh, it was a, a tough week, but it's playoff football. The margin's so close. Felt like the Rams were going to get the win outright, right, which we picked them outright to win the football game. Outplayed Detroit, but couldn't score touchdowns. That was big. Uh, and then I got a little egg in my face with my Cleveland, you know, Texans and all that. The Texans absolutely just shitting all over the Browns. Uh, that was uh, That was one that hurt me for sure. And you say the margins were close. There was only one one-score game yeah. in the Super Wild Card yeah. round. Yeah. The Texans won by 31 points. That's insane. The Chiefs won by 19 points. The Bills won by 14. The Bucks won by 23. The Packers won it's by crazy. 16, even yeah. though it was worse than that. Definitely. It felt worse than that. Right. But, yeah, nutty, nutty uh, six games. The only close one, the one that we had Sunday night on NBC – and we'll see how close they are this weekend as we get to what we traditionally call the best weekend of the year. You've got four games, high stakes. The winners get a berth in the conference championship game. The losers go home. And one thing that Steve Young always said, and I think this is 100% true, the farther you go, the worse it hurts when you lose. Yeah. The more agony you experience when it's over and this game especially especially if it's close 
this is the one that gets you in position where you can qualify for the Super Bowl. And you'll never know what would have happened that next week if you had just made it there for the opportunity. And that's why I think this week has that extra juice to it. Because, yeah, there are even some blowouts. There are plenty of blowouts. Not every game's close, but it just feels higher stakes. Much higher than wild card. Almost as high as NFC Championship. But you just really feel the 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 tension, and you just feel that, that the stage gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that, right? And, and, you know, you got rid of some teams as far as last week that, okay, yeah, maybe surprise upset with Green Bay, Dallas, whatever else. But... We do get rid of teams that I think we looked at to go, wait, how good are they? Or they haven't played good down the stretch. And, you know, yeah, no more Eagles. The Eagles, yeah, had they were the Eagles. But really, in actuality, the last six or seven weeks, they were hands down one of the worst teams in football. Like, literally, figuratively, statistically, whatever you want to talk about it. And then, we course, we knew the Steelers were what they were, kind of a one-and-done football team. This is a weekend where you feel like all these teams kind of have a chance. They're all scary, and there's all elite parts of their football teams, and I think that's why it is the best weekend of the year for me. I mean, it's two awesome games on Saturday, two on Sunday, and like you said, the stakes are high. It's, I mean, it's every kid's dream to be playing on championship Sunday to have that have that ability to go to the Super Bowl. Whoa, I'm going to be on Championship Sunday, one of the only two games on TV for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. All kids growing up, you know, relished that opportunity, wanted that opportunity, watched football, and went, man, I hope one day I can be in a game like that. And, of course, it's all about this weekend to set up that stage. All right, what we're going to do over the course of the remainder of this podcast the joint mega picks podcast chris sims unbuttoned pftpm we're going to pick all four games against the spread we're going to do a draft quarterback confidence heading into the divisional round we'll have one best bet each at the end of this just one so we're going you better one? make it count oh, okay let's okay i think we're going one it says one here all right pete says one is it one is it one well, hey, matt casey gets saying this I mean, what the hell is he, he? He doesn't produce this. He doesn't do anything. But, yeah, he's he's texting, telling us what the hell to do with best bets here. No. What do you want to do? Seriously, no, we can figure it out. There's only four games. Yeah, so one. just pick one. It's only okay. four games. Cool. I know. All right, yeah. cool. The best, the, the whole best bet thing implies that it's going to be, you know, we do one this week, we do one next week. I think these are the last two best bets. You can't do a best bet for the Super Bowl, can you? There's one game. I don't even know if we've ever done. How do you do a best? I believe, you don't do a best yeah. Bet. Well, you can pick a team or over under. I mean, we're gonna we'll pick something. We'll figure it out. But yeah, I think we picked right. it either right. way. Well, in the last for now, years. Right. for now, I'll do two. If you want to do two, I'll do two. No, I like you one. I'm I'm okay with one. I'm with you there. I mean, you know, uh, I I am that. You know me. I favored that all year. I've been trying to say that all year. I'd like it just to be about one. I mean, the way we set it up is like it's fucking set the two guys up. They got to talk about it for failure. And then go. Well, how come you guys? How come you guys didn't nail the three fucking pick picks this week well, that you just fucking well, like? Right? Well, so, well, I don't like that anyway. Listen, 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 listen. Before you go too all in with that, let's just think about what Super Wild Card Weekend would have been if it was just one. It would have been you talking about how the Browns are going to dismantle the Texans, and that would have been your one. You would know, you know it too. If you'd have it had been that of the Rams, Packers, it would have been that of the Rams. Brown. It would have been. I mean, that or the Packers. It would have been one of the two there. It would have. But well, yeah, I hear well, yeah, you. I probably would have lost you, that one. You, it would have been the Browns for sure. You yeah, been the Browns. Yeah. So, so be careful what you wish for. All right, we start 
the weekend with the Texans at the Ravens, Saturday afternoon, 4.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC and ESPN. It's the biggest spread of the week, tied for the biggest spread of the week, along with the game later in the day. Nine and a half points the Ravens are favored by, 43 and a half over under. The Ravens get the two weeks to get ready. They took the foot after gas week 18. The Texans had to win a de facto playoff game in Indianapolis week 18. They looked great last weekend. I've been so twisted up over these one seed games because we've seen it before. It's hard to envision it from this perspective going forward. We've seen it happen where the one seed loses under circumstances like this. They played in week one. It was a closer game than 25 to nine would suggest when the Ravens won the game to start the season. Chris, I'm going to let you go here. I do feel that, hey, the thing we've talked about from a few years ago with the Ravens sitting out, being the number one seed that year, I think that was a parade year. Like, oh, man, look, we were great. We won it, blah, blah, blah. Hey, we're the number one seed. Lamar was the MVP. I don't think they care about any of that crap this year. I don't. I think they've had their sights on Super Bowl all year long. I think they realize what they did a few years ago in that divisional game. I'm going to be shocked if the Ravens get caught sleeping here. Now, do I think that means they're necessarily going to come out and be hitting on all cylinders? No. I still think there'll be a little bit of like what you said, a, a rust factor, a fact that we haven't played all that much and the Texans have played two playoff games here down the stretch, so they're ready to go. But I think clearly the Ravens are the better football team. I think the other thing I look at, too, is I don't think you know the Ravens are not – they're a little more tactical. They're not as meatheadish of the Browns, right? Uh, the Browns, I just did not think they were going to be quite that blindly aggressive, right, against a guy like C.J. Stroud and the Bobby Slovak offense and just go, oh, we're going to come out and get in their – face and take a chance every play you know the Ravens are different in the fact that they'll trust their front seven a little and go okay hey you you might run the ball on us here a little bit you might get three you might get five so what but we're not going to let you throw the 70 yard corner post or you know some other big play they're a little more protective of that let alone I think they have more versatility in their defense compared to Cleveland Cleveland, yeah, it was a little bit of like we just, you know, like I'm explaining, this is what we do, up yours, we're in your face, bring it, where Baltimore does a lot of different stuff, and they are specific to who they're playing against, and I think that they'll be very cognizant of not letting C.J. Stroud get home run shots down the football field. I think I look at it that aspect. I think Texans make some plays and some points, but ultimately I give the advantage to the Ravens' defense. The other side of the ball – uh, always respect D'Amico Ryans there. I do look at this one and go, I know they like to stop the run, and they got to worry about the run because the Ravens are much bigger than they are up front. The Ravens, of course, are pretty creative in the run game too, and that's where I think they're in a tough spot because it's how much do you go all in on the run where you know you're going to have an issue, and it's still Lamar Jackson and that passing game and the receivers that are definitely a notch up as compared to any other year we've seen Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. I like Ravens here, obviously. I'm going to say 27-17, one of those games where it might take them a little bit to get going, but they get going, and they clearly show us who the better team on the football field is. Now, one of the things that I wonder about for this game, the extent to which each defense will successfully confuse the opposing quarterback based upon yeah. the pre-snap looks based yeah. upon what happens once they have the ball. You were saying about how the Browns were going man with 
the Texans last week, and that was making it easier for C.J. Stroud right. to do whatever he needed to do. And yep. the Browns were too aggressive. They were overreacting. The Texans used a lot of the tendencies that they saw against the Browns. They used their propensity to be overly aggressive against them on multiple occasions. So that is the game within the game here, and that's what makes postseason games harder to pick than regular season games because we're projecting how much time is actually being spent trying to figure out what we've done, what we're going to do, what they've done, what they might do, how we can crack their code, how we can keep them from cracking our code, and how we can make them think they've cracked our code and then dupe them by doing something that they're not expecting, whether it's a trick play, whether it's just a completely different look, a completely different formation, a completely different play off of a common formation, whatever it may be. And that's what has to make preparation for playoff games so maddening if you really are taking it seriously. So I'll start with the Texans. One thing that I've been meaning to ask you about, yeah, because I've noticed this with C.J. Stroud. I talked about it yesterday on the PFTPM podcast. I like watching him play in that he doesn't, like allow much of a pocket to form around him he stays in the middle of the fray very often have you noticed that where he gets the ball in shotgun and he almost kind of steps up and he's completely calm among all this stuff that's going on around him he doesn't back away from it he like thrives in that chaos yes and it makes it even more impressive what he's doing that he can process take that s2 test he can process everything that's occurring right. in this storm of of activity. I I'm sure other quarterbacks do it, but to me that's just something that jumps off the screen when you watch CJ CJ Stroud. Uh, uh, totally agreed. It, it's a it's a really good observation by you. It it's one of the things that, you know, makes him special and shows a maturity about his game that is really rare for a rookie, right? Rookies usually want to get out anytime they feel any pressure. Oh, no. And for the most part, you know, quarterbacks that are first-rounders have been good enough to do that at every level to kind of go, wait, I can get out of here and make a play, and I, I've survived that way. Strata's different. That's why he's got a little bit of that Joe Burrow, little Tom Brady sense in the pocket where he knows going backwards – is not a good thing. One, of course, you can't step into throws, but two, you actually make the angle easier for the pass rush on the edge, right? Those guys now don't have to turn a corner. They can kind of just go, wait, I can go nine yards that way. He steps up in the fray but has the confidence to know to like what you're saying, stepping up actually is going to protect me. I'm going to have more people around me, and I got to, like you're saying, not flinch and still look down the field but I'm actually more secure here than I would be if I just got the shotgun and took a few steps and then stayed back there. Something I learned in my days with Josh McDaniels and working in New England, they had the six-and-a-half-yard rule. I think I told you that before, where the, they wanted to snap the ball, the quarterback being shotgun, around five and five-and-a-half yards behind the center, but you weren't allowed to go <laughs> – excuse me there as I choke on myself – past six and a half yards, and if you got to six and a half yards, you had to start pushing up because the tackles now have a frame point of where Brady would be, you know, and I know he's not going to be that deep, so I can push the guy around or let ride him as he goes around the pocket, and that's the beauty of what C.J. Stroud is. Very rare to see a rookie quarterback do that, Mike, and it's a good observation by you. Okay. So, so, let's take <laughs> it the next step then. Yeah. If I see it, 
The Ravens see it. Right. And here it is. Winner take all. High stakes game. They've had two weeks to get ready. Who knows how much time they spent preparing for the various teams until they knew what was going to happen. But at some point, you lock on to the Texans. What do you think the Ravens will do to counter that? Do you think they'll send a lot of heat up the middle? That's the best yes. way to disrupt it. Yes. If you get somebody in his face, if you shove, if you shove the guards or the center into C.J. Stroud, that disrupts what he's doing. And what's it all about? It's about taking away what a guy does best, what he wants to do. He clearly likes doing that. Yes. He clearly wants 100%. to do that. Right. So that's my, that's my question as I consider the Ravens' defense. Are they going to change what they normally do to suit the effort to keep C.J. Stroud from settling in three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage and letting all this chaos happen around him? Are they going to try to get bodies through the middle, shove guards into him, hit him in that that kind of mini short pocket right. that he loves to be in? Yep. That's where I I I would assume that under John Harbaugh and Mike McDonald, the Ravens are going to have something for this tendency that is obvious when you watch the Texans. I, I think so. They're a little, Mike, I think to what you're saying here, they're a little bit like that naturally anyways. A little bit of like, again, a, a, they're, they're like the Patriots in their prime of where they're not looking for one guy to come around the edge and get 20 sacks a year. That's not what they're about. They kind of work as a unit. They kind of believe in just let's collapse the pocket as a unit. And to your point there, as good as C.J. Stroud is at hanging in the pocket, making throws within the pocket, I would think we see some creative ways, Mike, of, you know, hey, Jadeveon Clowney standing up. Right, we got a we got defense that ends in, but Jadeveon Clowney and maybe somebody else are roaming around. They say set up, and they rush through the middle, and maybe the defense ends drop back. But now it pushes it into Stroud's face. Let alone they're a team that's very cognizant and conscious of being like that, anyways. But I I would think that yes, that is going to be overemphasized this week as much as C.J. Stroud wants to hang in there and throw the ball down the field within that pocket, like you're talking about. You flip it around, what's D'Amico Ryan's going to do with a full season of film on the Todd Munkin offense with Lamar Jackson running it extremely well? What do you try to take away? It's hard to completely shut it down. Lamar Jackson has shown he can do both things. Look, I think at the end of the day, I think nine and a half is too much here. And I've, I've toyed with picking both one seeds to lose because yeah. I kind of think one of them might. Right. Or you just pick both to win because you can assume one of them will. I'm doing this, at least for the AFC game involving the one seed. I'm going to pick the favorite to win, but not to cover. Okay. I think nine and a half is too much. Yep. I think the Texans are going to keep it close. I think it's going to be 30 to 23, final score, Ravens win, exciting game, a lot of scoring. We saw that on Saturday between the Browns and the Texans. And I think at the end of the day, the Ravens at home, the extra time, the quality of the coaching staff, the ability to come up with something, something to confuse C.J. Stroud or get to C.J. Stroud, to get a fumble, uh, an interception, whatever, one key moment, that makes the difference. Ravens win, but they don't cover the nine-and-a-half-point spread. I right. hear you. It's Another scary, no it's scary An for me, too. I hear you. Wait, let me just add one more thing off of that because you talked about – like the Texans defense a little bit, you know, they kind of are a little bit of like, they do what they do and they just have a few little wrinkles within that every week. 
right? It's not like like the Ravens or some other teams where you just go, I don't know how they're going to attack us this week. It's kind of just like, wait, we know what they play, but which one of those are they going to pick against this formation or against that formation or that personnel set? And that'll be interesting, too, because the Ravens are a team that will be extremely aggressive. They're not afraid to go, wait, we have a good feel that you're going to be in this, and you're the Texans, and you like to take away all these 10- and 15-yard throws over the middle. Fine, take them away. Here's 50 over the top to Rashad Bateman. That I'm just saying, again, I'm only picking a 10-point win, but that, to me, could be the way maybe the Ravens end up stomping them by more if that were to happen, and they kind of got in a groove that way. Saturday night, for the first time in NFL history, it's the one seed against a seven seed because for the first time in NFL history, a seven seed beat a two seed, even though it's a short four-year history. It's still the first time in the history (laughs) of the National Football League that one faces seven as the Packers travel to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Again, nine and a half, same spread as Ravens-Texans, 50 and a half over-under, so another touchdown in this one projected than in the earlier game Chris, does your buddy Kyle figure out how to do what Mike McCarthy was unable to do against a Packers team that is far better than people are giving it credit for? Yeah, I, you, you know me. I'm picking the 49ers. Uh, I think the 49ers are in a class of their own in the NFC. I, I do. I think they're a notch above everybody there. I worried, like the Ravens conversation, I worry a little bit about the same things we, we discussed there. Right, I, I don't care who you are and how hard you practice during your bye week and all that. You know, you got one team that, yeah, the the Packers have been playing playoff football for the last five six weeks, so they're ready to go. And there could be a little bit of a getting used to being back on the field in this kind of environment moment. But I don't think that's going to last long with the 49ers. I don't. I mean, again, this is another team like the Ravens. I'll even emphasize more. I think this. I mean, on a mission ever since that Eagles game last year. Definitely. The matchup I worry about with the Packers is their defense. Their defense has talent. That's the one great thing they got about it for sure, right? We've seen some offenses through the year schematically pick it apart. And Shanahan, of course, is a genius that way, right? So, you know, I don't know if LaFleur can get with Joe Barry a little bit and maybe try to teach him some of the things Shanahan's doing to help him out with some of the tricks there, whatever. But we know the 49ers in that offense, you know, unlike the team that the Packers had to play last week, they didn't really have to worry about the run game. This is a whole different ball game here. Like, if you don't worry about the run game against the 49ers, McCaffrey runs for over 200 yards against you. Your offense never gets the ball, and you lose 42 to 10. So you kind of got to go all in in that aspect and then find the right way to defend in the back end. And we know the 49ers, I think more than any other years past, are, are the best passing football team they've been in the Shanahan era. And that's hilarious to say with Brock Purdy and right. I mean, all that he's done, he's the only first round, non first round quarterback playing this year in the playoffs. Uh, but we know he's been playing like a first round quarterback and he's efficient as hell. I, that's where I worry about the Packers. The other side of the ball, Mike, I think it's the 49ers defense that's not as good as maybe the last few that have gone to the NFC championship game. I think it's a notch down from that. And I think Green Bay is dangerous on the offensive side of the ball. And they can make plays, and they're pretty balanced as well, like you've heard me say. 
a lot of moving parts, a lot of motion shifts. They can run the ball, and Jordan Love will hang in the pocket a little like we were talking with C.J. Stroud. He might not fade up into the, or get up in the pocket. He hangs on his back leg, but he'll hang in there and wait for people to get open. I'm going to take the 49ers 30-21, to 21, all right? Nine and a half was a little too much for me in this one. I think this Packers offense will make some plays and kind of keep them hanging around this game and make 49ers a little uncomfortable as it goes on. I, I agree with the assessment that the Packers are going to see a running game like they haven't seen yeah. all year. Right. And that isn't something they had to worry about in Dallas. And and look, they, they figured out the key to beating the Cowboys in their own building. You jump on top of them early. You get to 14 nothing. And it's just a matter of the floodgates opening at that point because the Cowboys aren't used to getting hit in the mouth, right. especially not at home. If the 49ers give up an opening drive touchdown, you know what they'll do? They'll just yeah. turn around and score an opening drive touchdown. <laughs> I mean, right. it's, it's so what? We're not, we're not concerned by that. Our offense is going to be ready to pick apart the Green Bay Packers defense. The game plan will be in place to take advantage of all the things that Joe Barry and the Green Bay defense does well, the things they don't do well. We'll zig when they zag. Right. This is... This is the, the, the playoff football reality that we discuss all the time, where coaching matters more in the postseason than it does in the regular season. You don't just line your guys up and say, we're going to do what we did to get here. You got to do even more to get to the next level. So I'm with you. Now, I went back and forth a little bit on whether or not to give the 49ers the cover, because obviously I'm going to pick the 49ers to win. I did the same thing you did. 31-24, not the same score, but 31-24, the 49ers win, but the Packers find a way to keep it close. And I think this is along the lines of it'll be 31-17 late. I garbage hear time touchdown, backdoor right. cover. That's right. what I'm – I don't think it's going to be. I think Ravens-Texans is more back and forth and Ravens win it late. I think this is 49ers comfortably ahead. Packers don't go away. Packers don't give up. And they get a late score that – allows them to cover not that they care about covering but I just think that's what's going to happen 49ers will clearly be the better team but the Packers will find a way to keep it within the nine and a half yeah and yes that's my clumsy way of splitting the baby on these because I didn't have the guts to pick either number one seed to lose but I'll go with picking the lower seeds to cover in both games because nine and a half is just a lot that's a big spread for a playoff game for a divisional round game that's a lot to cover in any game, but especially in a game like this where you're talking about the underdog being a team that just won last weekend and that had to win the weekend before to even get in right. while the one seeds were coasting. So, yes, I think these games are closer than nine and a half would suggest, and I won't be surprised if one of these two one seeds ends up losing. I, I, I hear you there. I mean, again, if there's a week for the number one seed to be had, this is the week. Traditionally, this is when we see the upset of the team not play at their best. And, you know, if they do get through this week, then they kind of got their feet underneath them and they're ready for the AFC championship or NFC championship or whatever it may be. I'm going to be interested about that Packers defense approach, right? That's to me where I think is going to be really interesting. I, I think it could be a game where they play a lot of five-man fronts, Mike. The Packers do. They're young. This is the youngest team in football. 
right? So they're not battle-tested and, and used to this. And their talent, they're not going to be outclassed. I said this on my podcast yesterday, not going to be outclassed by the talent on the field. It's about what we talk about a lot with the 49ers. Can you play at a high level with the highest of intensity to match that and then be all over every little detail and not mess that up either? And that's where the Packers are still young and growing in those departments as the 49ers are well-seasoned in those departments. But if the Packers, Mike, like they got a Tadaro Slate in 93, who's 340 pounds. You know, they got, of course, Devontae Wyatt. First round pick two years ago from Georgia. He's 315. And then, of course, Kenny Clark at 314. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw all three of them on the field together a lot, right? Let's get three big people on there. Now we got Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on the outside. We can drop one, rush one every now and then, but we're big. And now we can hang in there versus the run game and maybe not have to overplay with linebackers and safety versus the play action that Shanahan and Purdy are so good at. That would be one thing, uh, just a little X's and O's to look for for everybody out there. Hopefully the games will be exciting. Hopefully they'll be closer than nine and a half. That means they will be riveting on Saturday. When we return, we pivot to Sunday where you've got Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff in the early game. And in the late game, Patrick Mahomes going on the road for the playoffs for the first time in his career as a starter. More PFTPM. Chris Sims unbuttoned right after this. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this NFL playoffs, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. And please bet responsibly. All right, here we go. Sunday, we will be there in Detroit. Baker Mayfield talked to Rams teammates who said it was the loudest thing they'd ever heard when they were at Ford Field. And they go to Seattle every year for crying out loud. It's going to be loud. 133.6 were the decibels that were measured pre-kick, which is the equivalent of a 747 engine. So I'm bringing some earplugs for this one. I've been to some loud concerts. I don't want to get any hearing loss from being at the uh, Bucs-Lions game, but that's where we'll be. Six and a half points are the Lions favored in this one with a 48 and a half over under. Coverage begins at 2 o'clock Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Can't wait for this. Can't wait for your pick, Chris. Do you dare? Because I I feel like what's going to happen when we pop all the logos as we make our picks before the game, everybody's going to go Lions. Is anybody going to dare to believe in Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers? Chris, will you be the one to do it? I'm thinking about it. I am. Like, 
I thought long and hard about it. I can't wait to be there, first off. Like you said, it's going to be an amazing experience. I'm also excited that it's the Buccaneers, and there's still a lot of people in that organization that were there when I was there, so I can't wait to see them. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere. It really is. Now, I will say this. The Buccaneers, as you've heard me say, and I'm not always right about my things, but I'm usually right when I say watch out or this team matches up well. They could be a surprise here. To me, of all the games this weekend, this is the game where if you had to pick one and you went, I could see an upset happening, this is the one. It is definitely the one to me. I think the Buccaneers match up very well with the Detroit Lions. They play a similar style of football in a lot of ways. They kind of go all in on the run on defense, both teams, and they'll, they'll let up some pass plays to make sure you don't dominate them in the run game. You know, both offenses, right? The Lions run the ball better, of course, but the Bucks try to run the ball, at least to keep you honest. But more of the point I was getting to is both are aggressive down the field throwing offenses, right? We've joked all year. I mean, the Bucks, it's like, right, it's, it's Evans, 70 yards if he catches it, and it's 60 yards if he catches it, and it's Godwin, deep throw. You know, it's plays after the catch on short, shallow throws because they're, down, they're so far down the field. Oh, here's David Moore running a shallow cross. Nobody's around him because we're all worried about the down the field stuff. So that's where I think it could be fun. I think we could see a lot of big plays in the pass game. I can. All right. And I think with, you know, the first matchup around 20 to 6 Lions victory, mis- misleading. I mean, they won the game, don't get me wrong, but the game was closer than even that score would show. And the Lions offense against that Bucks defense did not move the ball at will. I mean, one of their touchdowns was they got the ball in the seven-yard line early in the game when it was about to be a Mike Evans 95-yard touchdown because they blew the coverage, and a D lineman for Detroit got their hand up and tipped the ball as Baker was throwing to a wide-open Mike Evans, and they intercepted it. But they're big enough up front Tampa on the defensive side of the ball to hang in there with that Detroit O-line. Detroit's not going to overpower that that front seven of the 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 um the Bucks. And the Bucks have a better secondary than the Los Angeles Rams did last week. The Bucks have two guys in Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean who can play some man to man. Let alone they're good at their zone blitzes too and we know they got Antoine Winfield in the center field and he's maybe the best safety in the game right now. So that's where I go. They can they can keep this Lions offense in check. And it's almost the same way the other side of the ball, where I hope the Lions don't go too all-in on stopping the run because the, the Bucks are not that great at running the ball. If they run the ball, it's really just about to keep you honest so they can throw the ball down the field to Edmonds or Godwin. And that's really what it's all about. So I'll be excited to see the adjustments or how the Detroit Lions defense plays this. But I think this will be a fun one. I'm going Lions. I'm going chalk. I don't have the guts. But I'm going to make it 27-24. I am going to have the Buccaneers cover that spread. The thing about the Lions offense, and we've heard this throughout the season, there was a game where somebody beat the Lions, and I talked to – I can't even remember. It all blurs together after 18 weeks. What was it? Maybe I can remember. Yeah, go ahead. It was a defensive player from somebody who beat the Lions. And the whole idea was getting them to third down. Stopping them. It was Bruce Irvin who down, told you that. Right? Wasn't it? When, 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 no, that was 
wait, I thought it was Bruce Irvin. Oh, man, maybe Irvin you're right. It was, was Derek, Derek Carr. Carr. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I can't remember who it was that beat the Lions and said, the goal is get him to third down. And that's where, and they didn't say it this way, but the message was basically force Jared Goff to make throws on third and five or longer. Right. That's what you need to do in order to slow down the Lions offense because they're going to carve right through you. So stopping the run is the key. Slowing down Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery is going to be critical to what the Buccaneers do defensively. And then when you flip it around, you know, Rashad White had 72 yards on 18 carries on Monday night, average four yards per carry. And I agree with you. It's just to balance it out, keep it honest, you know, push the pile a little bit, set up play action, just set up the passing game generally. I could see for this game, the Buccaneers just throwing caution to the wind. They weren't supposed to get this far. They're not supposed to be here. We're just going to come out and we're going to throw it all over the place. We're going to let Baker Mayfield go do his thing and just light them up. And I feel like he welcomes this. I mean, this just goes right into his wheelhouse. It's going to be really loud. Good. I want to go in there. I want to go in there and beat them when it's really loud. I want to go in there and beat them when Chauncey Gardner-Johnson doesn't realize Russell Gage hasn't played for us since early in the year because he suffered a season-ending injury. He still thinks he's showing up each and every week to these games. I want that. I relish that. See, I... I feel like I feel like all the ingredients are there for the Buccaneers to go win. Yeah. That's what I feel like. But I felt that way last week too. I thought the Rams would go in and win. I think what we underestimated is the passion, the zeal, the 32 years, the noise, just everything about that environment I think is going to take over and propel the Lions when when things get close, that's going to make the difference. It's going to be the thing that allows them to convert on second down and keep drives going. It's going to be the thing that doesn't put Jared Goff in a spot where he's got to make a big throw on third and 12. So even though I agree with you, I could see an upset. I think the Lions win, and I'm actually going to predict a cover by the Lions here on some fluky late-game turnover where the Bucks get a little desperate Baker Mayfield makes a throw that maybe he wouldn't under normal circumstances. Yeah, he gets you. picked off and either gets returned for a touchdown, sets up a short field, 24-13. I don't have a ton of confidence in it. It's just a gut feeling. It's pasta and meatballs. We'll find out on Saturday or on Sunday whether or not it's, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, Salisbury steak and ketchup, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, we got to make a pick. Lions. And I know I can't imagine anybody on our crew picking the Bucks to win. That plays right into their hands. And that's the thing. If they win, I'll say, great. It's a great story. It's unbelievable. They will live to five the odds. But how can you not pick the Lions to win this game? It's, it may be close, like you think, or maybe it won't, like I think. But either way, it's going to be an exciting day in Detroit. All right. The night ends. The divisional round concludes. Oh, baby. With a rematch of one of the great playoff games we've ever seen in the divisional round. Bills at Chiefs it was two years ago. Now it's Chiefs at Bills for only the second time ever when Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes have been starting quarterbacks. They play in Buffalo, regular season 2020, COVID game with no fans. This year, fans and plenty of unshoveled snow as the Chiefs and Bills get together. This is the game of the week. This is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. We didn't think it would happen. It's happening. Chris, who do you like? Yeah, the the biggest thing and the biggest concern – about a game that's this evenly matched, 
right, is the health of right now the Buffalo Bills. I think that's the biggest problem. And that's where I'm a little bit up in the air with the decision on this one, right? And I might even make some qualifying statements to go either way here. I mean, I'm going to be the definitive in who I pick and everything like that. But, yeah, the injuries, again, seeing the extent of maybe the injury report today, which becomes official and everything there, that'll give me a better feel. But, hey, we don't have the luxury of doing that. You know, because if, if some of these injuries where I go, ooh, I don't know, is this guy going to be playing? And they go, oh, hey, it's, he's, it's just questionable, all right, right? And this guy, oh, okay, it's like, hey, it's looking like these, a lot of their good players are going to be able to play and be somewhat close at 100%. Yeah, of course, that changes my opinion rather than, oh, this guy's doubtful or can't practice all week and it's going to be a game day decision. That's a different animal altogether there. Now, when you get into the X's and O's of the football game altogether here, you know, it, it's fascinating. One, we know it's a Chiefs offense that's not special. It, it's, it's not, right? But it's still Patrick Mahomes. They protect pretty well. He's capable of magic. And I do think by with what we saw last week, like they showed me that they realize who they are. We're going to run the ball. We're going to throw screens and – Patrick will make a few big throws in the pocket, and that's all we are, right? And, and, and that's fine. I think that's the way they play. It's the way they should play. Their defense is top-notch. It's Super Bowl-ish, their defense that way. So uh, I like that. Now, the other side of the story is this Kansas City defense versus this Bills offense, which I think this Bills offense probably caught them by the Chiefs defense by surprise a little bit early in the year or in week 14. It was still the early phases of the Joe Brady, I've taken over offense, right? We've talked about the last few weeks. Teams have figured out how to defend him a little bit more. But the thing we talk about, and the Chiefs a lot like, I mean, the Bills a lot like the Chiefs, they've kind of embraced you know, their best way to win football games and been playing playoff football for six weeks. And yeah, it is not all about Josh Allen. He's certainly the driving force, but they do have a running game. They are spreading the ball out to different guys. It doesn't seem like it's all on his shoulders, play after play after play, which is good. They're playing a team football game there. This is weird. I think the Chiefs are the better team, like physically. I think if we went through the game, you'd go, I'd probably take more Chiefs players than Bills players. But I have this one thing that just keeps bothering me. And my football historian self usually says, and hey, a team shows you who they are all year, so don't be shocked when that rears its ugly head or beautiful head in the playoffs. The Chiefs have had the disease of fucking things up for themselves the whole year. <laughs> and I know I want to go, hey, but this is playoff Chiefs, and this is Mahomes, right? And the magic, and they know the playoffs, and they're buckled in. And as much as I want to say that and believe in that, there's like, you know, 35 years of me paying attention to football in a big way to go, wait, wait, they had 18 weeks, and they kind of showed us who they were. And even last week, they should have been up by 27 to 7 at halftime. And instead, it was close because they fucked shit up. Right. And I won't go down the list. We did last week. We did a Monday when we did the show and the bills have gotten into mode of we're just going to do whatever we got to do to win the game this week. 
Every week. Every week. We'll just do that. We know it. Oh, it's tight late in the fourth. No big deal. We were in this last week. We're in this this week. We were in it six weeks ago. Doesn't matter. We know how to do it. I'm going to ride the Bills from that standpoint, Mike, that they've just been in, got to win the game no matter what mode for so long, been playing pretty good football under the pressure, and the Chiefs, it's been good the last two weeks, yeah, but Christmas Eve or Christmas Day was a debacle, let alone there was some debacles early in December and that. I'm going to go Bills 28-24. Wow. Wow. Wow is right. I know. I'm scared. And I, I don't know. And that, like I said, yeah. that Bill's health is certainly a big part of this. We've never seen Patrick Mahomes play on the road in a playoff game. Yeah. We've seen him play three Super Bowls, not at Arrowhead Stadium. So he's got some experience in high-profile games when he's not at home. But this is hostile environment. He's never played at Highmark Stadium with fans there. It will be loud. It will be raucous. But... I feel like this is a guy who is hyper aware of his legacy. I know. Scares and who me. understands yeah. that these moments, these moments, whatever, whatever temporary thing might be going on, it's cold. It's windy. It's snowing. It's whatever. I don't care. My legacy is forever. This three hour window is nothing in the greater scheme of things that I'm trying to build with my career. I'm trying to win championships not playoff games I'm pursuing championships and there's something about that playoff Patrick Mahomes it's kind of like what Joe Burrow does Joe Burrow is a little more open about it his confidence just bubbles over when he gets to the postseason with Mahomes it's all quiet it's understated he's no different in the postseason than he is in the regular season on how he presents himself yeah but he plays at a different level yeah he performs at a different level he's impervious to the things that others would be bothered by and you mentioned the Bills with the injury issues. I think that's a reality that makes a difference here. And also, you know, every great story has an ending, and the ending may not be as great as the story. It was great to see the Bills turn it around. But that doesn't mean they're going to carry it all the way to a Super Bowl championship. It's going to end at some point. Yeah. Where does it end? When does it end? And they've already achieved enough. Like, they've saved everyone's job. To the extent that anyone was on the hot seat – that's over now. Right. And I almost feel like, too, you know, we've said, oh, the, the pressure's off, the pressure's off, the pressure's off. All of a sudden, the pressure's on. All of a sudden, here comes Yeah, you're at your home nemesis. finally, and it's here your comes, nemesis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you're, and you're favored. Right. And here comes your big brother that you can't beat in ping pong when it matters. You can beat him when it doesn't matter. When it does matter, you can't beat him. And now you're expected to beat him. I love the psychological angles that can affect a football game. And I think in this one, Chiefs find a way, as they always seem to do, 30-27. to 27. I don't know why I'm so fascinated by that score in a postseason game because that was the final score of the Falcons beating the Vikings in the 1998 NFC Championship oh. 25 years ago yesterday. Fuck my life. <laughs> right? But, but, but 30-27, to 27, Chiefs win. Chiefs advance, and the Ravens better be ready for Patrick Mahomes as he hits into overdrive, this pursuit of number three. Can't get to seven until you get to three. All right. I hear you. My son, I asked my son last night, and that's exactly what he said. He goes, oh, man, 
I, the Chiefs, Mahomes and the Chiefs, they're in playoff mode. Mahomes is in playoff. <laughs> playoff Mahomes is different, Dad. <laughs> so I hear you. <laughs> yeah, well, I like your son. Your son is smart. Yeah. Your son is smart, which means he got it from his mother. All right. <laughs> right. Let's take a break. We promised a divisional round quarterback confidence draft during PFT Live. We didn't get to it. We're going to get to it next here on PFT PM and Chris Simpson. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this NFL playoffs, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. I download the app and use the promo code on button when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. It's a Mia Florio, a Wario. What? <laughs> What a, what a what a pivot! What that a change, was. right? From Damn. the almost pro wrestling announcer voice to the mocking of the Italian culture with the <laughs> the uh, inappropriate inappropriate. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just playing around. All right, here we go. Uh, we promised this earlier. Divisional round quarterback confidence draft. In which quarterbacks do we have? The most confidence in this round. I'll let you go first, Chris. Well, I know you're going to say Josh Allen. <laughs> It's like one of those two, right? I mean, and honestly, I'm not going to. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. I am. I know I just picked the Bills to win the game. I get it. It's a team sport. I I still am like, trust Mahomes. Yes. Mahomes has shown the ability to play. That's why... I want to pick the Bills, and I pick the Bills, but I'm scared to death. Mahomes has shown the ability to rise up to any occasion, right? He knows how to take care of the ball in these big games. So even though I didn't pick him to win, he's still the guy I have the most confidence in. I'm going to still ride that. I know that's a little backwards, but it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a tight one there. I would have taken Mahomes if I was the first pick. So I'll take Josh Allen because he's available and you didn't take him. To my amazement, you left your boy blue on the board. <laughs> Although I do have more faith in Mahomes, as evidenced by the fact that I picked the Chiefs to win, which you didn't do, which I still don't understand. But Josh Allen, look, the running, the throwing, the throw caution to the wind, just there's a different quality to him, and he's got the playoff experience. He understands the stakes. He's trying to shape a legacy. He's trying to change the narrative from what we've seen during his career, which is close but no cigar far too often. So... Josh Allen. For- That's why it's an interesting conversation, right? 
because I believe, I mean, Allen's probably the most highlight reel, get on my back, I'll carry the team, do whatever we got to do. But confidence also is in a little trust. And I, I guess, you know, again, Allen, turnovers this year, all of that, that scares me just a little bit. That's the reason I don't. But do I think he, of course, is capable of outdueling Mahomes and making more magical plays? 100%. As you know, it's, he's the only guy in football that we feel like is capable of doing that. And that's why he's the man, and this is why this feels like it's the new Manning-Brady matchup. Um. All right, well, now it's time to go to the next one. And the next one, I am going to go with Lamar Jackson here. I am. I know it's only one playoff game. I don't care. All right, I know he's only won one playoff game. He's been in the playoffs. He's been determined all year. He's played high-level football all year. I think, like you talked about with Mahomes and legacy, Lamar is very aware of all that and that he needs to start winning some games in this time of the year if he wants his legacy to be what he wants it to be when he's all said and done. So I'll go with Lamar as the second quarterback in my trust tree. And, you know, I would have gone with Lamar as well. I think I would have gone. Yeah, I would have gone. Yeah, I'll go Lamar. It's yes. I had a chance to take Lamar and I didn't. And I think the fact that they lost in the divisional round at home in 2019, that kind of haunts me. I wonder how much it haunts him. Yep. But it's close between him and Josh Allen. I'm going to go C.J. Stroud. And I, despite the lack of any playoff experience, I just don't think he cares. Yeah. I don't mean that he's ambivalent or apathetic. He's just not bothered by it. He's going to go play the way he's played all year long. He's not going to freak out because the stage is higher than it's been all year. He's going to keep doing what he's done. And what he's been has been great. And I know, well, what about Brock Purdy? Well, C.J. Stroud has to make throws that Brock Purdy doesn't have to make. Yeah, that's right. played at a level as a passer that Purdy hasn't. I have more faith in Stroud making a big throw in a big spot than I do Purdy. And, you know, I don't know. Is that wrong? We'll find out. I don't think it is. Stroud does. We'll see what Purdy does. But I got more faith in Stroud. Yeah, listen, Stroud is as high-level thrower as there is in football. I don't think you're wrong to say that you trust C.J. Stroud to make a big-time throw as compared to Purdy, right? Purdy can make some big-time throws, but not like C.J. Stroud, all right? I'm going to go with Purdy next. But, yeah, it's not so much about Purdy, but it's also some of his, hey, his ability, and I trust him to run this offense and do the right things, and his ego's not going to get involved, and if there's a run game play there, he'll check it and hand it off to McCaffrey and play the team football game, and therefore that's why he'll be my third choice. I have confidence in that. Last one for me is Baker Mayfield. All due respect to Jared Goff. Again, I picked the Lions to win, but I just, you know, I love the swagger. I love the attitude. I love the story. He's rebuilt his career. He's put himself in position to make a lot of money. I don't think it's going to be enough to overcome the Lions, but I do have a lot of confidence in him as a quarterback. All right, we take a break. When we return, our one best bet each, plus Folsom Prison Blues pick PFTPM. Chris Sims unbuttoned back right after this. Chris Sims Unbuttoned, PFTPM, Joint Megapicks podcast. We disagree on one of the four games. I've got the Chiefs. Chris has the Bills. We've got three disagreements against the spread. It's still not going to be enough for me to wipe out the seven-game bulge, but I'll do my best. One best bet. Chris, who do you have? Well, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers, my old squad, the team that was crazy enough to draft me back in 2003 NFL draft in the third round. I think they match up well with the Lions. I know I picked the Lions to win. 
But I still think it's to be close. And if there's an upset to happen this weekend, I think it's Tampa Bay. I had 27-24 Detroit. Technically an upset, but not an upset in my mind. The Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes find a way to win the game in Buffalo. It may go down to the wire. It may go to overtime like it's done before. But the Chiefs win. That's my best bet for this week. All right, who's the one winner that you guarantee? I know you're going to say the 49ers, and I am too. Yes, I the am. The one game this week. Well, exactly that, right. Yeah, 49ers, 49ers. Yep. Yep. 49ers. I just trust them. I, I trust them not to be asleep at the wheels and number one seed. I don't totally trust the Ravens in that capacity. So that's where I'm going, Niners, with you. I'm, I'm with you. It will be history for the first time in the NFL. The number seven seed will beat the number one seed. Of course, it's also the first time they've ever played. See ya. Only the fourth year of the format. That's it. Enjoy the games. Bye. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.